What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius here, dropping another Data Protection Gumbo episode for you. And today I have Orr Lynchner, CEO of Bright Data On. And ever since his appointment as CEO of Bright Data, Orr has continued to expand the company's market base as an online data collection platform dedicated to delivering complete web transparency and for the past three years under Lintner's leadership the company has advanced its product offering to include first of its kind automated solutions enabling its customers to collect and receive data in a matter of minutes so gumbo listeners or provides some tips on how to set up an ethical data collection strategy guidance on collection consumption and his predictions for the future of data storage. So let's get right into the episode. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, or how are you today? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I am fantastic as usual. And once again, thank you so much for appearing on Data Protection Gumbo. And I am really interested in hearing a little bit about bright data and also what makes the company so unique in the data space? And for those that are not familiar with, with what Bright Data is, do you mind giving us the history and the background and also filling us in on what's important about the company? I'll be happy to do that. So, and thank you for having me. So Bright Data is a web data collection company. Everyone talks about data, usually in the context of what you can do with the data that you somehow got into your database. Uh, There's actually a a real and not easy effort you need to do usually in order to get this raw data, uh, especially when you're trying to extract this raw data from publicly available resources on the web. the web, that's, that's a known fact. Uh, the internet already become the largest database in the world. And it's growing rapidly every day. And it's not going to change. It's just going to grow faster and faster in the next years. And this data can be used for multiple purposes. Actually, as a company that you know, help companies to extract this data, we could never imagine those purposes. It always comes from the customer needs and we're always surprised about what data they need to extract and for what reasons. So usually when you try to extract publicly available web data in large scale, you encounter two main issues. The first one is that even that the data is supposed to be public, for example, prices of products on e-commerce websites, should be public. If I'll open a web page and you'll open a web page, we'll both be able to see the price of the product. But when you try to do it in large scale in order to compete, then you will get blocked. Why? Because these data sources, those e-commerce websites in this example, but we're pretty much talking about almost every website on the internet, will try to keep this data for themselves in order to Know, have this edge on their competitors. Um, so this is one issue that you will encounter. The second issue is that usually every consumer online will see different data. I'm here in Israel using an Android phone, 
you're in the United States, maybe using an iPhone, if you'll go to the same page at the same time, no matter if it's an article, a product page, uh, a flight booking uh, page, whatever it will be, in most cases, we will see different values, different content. It can be different price, it can be different ad, it can be different anything. How can you compete this way? It's hard to compete when you're unable to collect the data. And if, if you manage to collect the data, you're just seeing half truth. You're just say, seeing something from one pair of eyes instead of seeing the internet from the specific pair of individual eyes you want to see it. And these are the issues that we help solving. And we serve today around 10,000 customers, multiple Fortune 500 customers that are using us to be able to properly compete in the digital sphere. Uh, we're located in Israel, around 250 employees working globally. So, so or you, you made a statement that, that really intrigued me. You said that the web is a large database. Is, is that exactly how you said it? No, it's the largest database. It's the largest database. Yeah, can, can we unpack that really quick? Because I think that's a, a very powerful statement. I, I haven't thought about it that way, but what, what's, your, what's your philosophy around that? Yeah, so the, the stats are there. So basically, it's, the web is you know, structured from different data types. We're talking about public information. For example, these product prices that I mentioned earlier, but it also structured from mm -hmm. what we're doing right now. That's data that we're producing. It's structured from your tweets on Twitter. Uh, so every single you know, byte that is going online is something that in some cases, if it's public information, can be um, extract and used for someone else. J just one example of something that for me is trivial because that's what we're doing, but just can be an eye-opening example. We have an investment firm that is our customer. They used us to collect data on all of the prices of bleach from a big e-commerce website mm -hmm. in order to understand if they should or shouldn't invest on a chemical company. Okay, So all of the data that is out there can be used for so many things. And it's the biggest data source. Currently, um, I'm not sure I, I'm being accurate on the number, but we're talking about, I think, 250 or something like that zettabytes of data wow zettabyte it's 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 a number with 21 zeros i think <laughs> maybe i'm wrong but you know mm -hmm. yeah, one zero plus or minus it doesn't really matter that's a lot of data and it's just growing in a pace that no one can actually you know keep track with so that's the large data source okay awesome well i i haven't thought about it that way so i really appreciate you adding some perspective there or also just this entire topic around data collection and the entire infrastructure that, that is set up in order to intelligently map and consume and to you know make sense out of all the data that's being collected. So what about over the past year? What are some of the major changes that you have noticed in online data collection consumption? Sure. So... The last year wasn't like any other year, as we all experienced. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. So what happened is really vertical specific. So we saw 
um, trends in, in some verticals, for example, e-commerce, that in just four or five weeks in March last year, the market of the, of the data collection in e-commerce was pushed ahead by 10 years. And it's not going to go back. So today, in this segment of the market, e-commerce, we're actually living in the year of 2031. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. On, on other places, though, for example, the, the online travel industry. So obviously, no flights, no hotels, no nothing. So this industry just went down. But you, it was very interesting to see from the data collection point of view that just you know a quarter, maybe two quarters after COVID started, it's kind of uh, the data collection in this industry kind of started to go up again, but the use cases changed. So instead of you know booking flights and booking hotels, you could see that people or companies are looking to collect data that is relevant for car rental and you know more airbnb kind of stuff so if the travel changed to be more domestic you can also see that in the data collection itself so it's extremely interesting and usually when you look on the data extraction process it can teach you on the future because it's always the first thing you can you will start with to collect you know intelligence about what's going on to get a business business decision the second trend that we've seen is because so many or almost all of the world just moved to work from home at least for a year places and, and, and i would say countries that didn't have strong enough internet infrastructure at home fixed that and now you have a lot more places around the world also in developing countries with good internet infrastructure at home and this creates, guess what? More data. People are using internet at home. They're buying more. They're, they're generating more data. They're tweeting more. They're doing everything just more. So it also costs more data. And if you have more data, public data, you have more need to collect it because it always serves someone else. And also, have you heard about what Elon Musk is doing? He's sending multiple satellites up into the atmosphere and i think they're, they're they're going to stream down the internet so that people can have access to the internet in remote locations have you been following that of course actually facebook had a similar idea with hot air balloons uh, in, in in remote places unfortunately mm. it didn't really work out i'm not sure why but i think we can all trust elon <laughs> to find a way to make it happen yeah, it's happening. Um, they're act they actually have already a an established website, and I think that they also have a date to, to the first launch. Wow, that that's crazy. So they, they already have so many like multiple satellites up there now. So um, I, I, I yeah. haven't followed it often, but I'll, I'll see a headline every once in a while about about them launching a, a rocket. Uh, up into up into the atmosphere. So, all right. So, mo moving on to more about data collection, and as as we talk about data collection, there's also a a lot of privacy concerns and also uh, ethics just around you know who's collecting the data, why are they collecting the data, what are they going to do with the data, etc. And obviously, there are a lot of rules and regulations and privacy concerns. Um, that are starting to pop up more often nowadays. 
Can, can you add a more, uh, I guess, a bit more color around some of the ethics and some of the regulations that, that you are seeing that, that actually strike uh, like a chord with you and also what, what your company is doing to, to kind of um, data collect? Sure, and, and thank you for raising it. It's an important issue that is not being discussed enough, in my opinion. So, again, when, when you say the word data, everything, everyone thinks about privacy, which is great, but we're actually kind of already you know, past that. So there is actually a very good regulation today when it comes to data privacy. Okay? Sometimes maybe it's hard to comply with, but at least they are clear guidelines of what you can't and cannot do so that's a, a that's a better situation than just you know not being sure what's okay and what's not and then you need to guess i always prefer to you know to to know what what i can and cannot do and then i can adjust the thing is that with web data collection it, it it's still not regulated almost at all so yeah you can you can know if this is a piece of information that you are allowed to collect or not that's kind of established now but what about you know what what if you just did too much of data collection in a very short period of time and you crashed a server of a website that's not that, that's not good you shouldn't be doing that okay you should you should make sure that you know how to prevent that from happening so that that's just one example so the analogy I like using is just like a fisherman going out to the ocean to catch fish. That's the that's the ecosystem that that he lives for and by. And if he'll you know catch too much fish in a, in one season, it's done. He just damaged the whole ecosystem. He won't be able to come back next season. All his colleagues are you know kind of messed up because they can't really go and catch fish because nothing is left. Uh, it's pretty similar to what's going on or what can happen. Mm-hmm. In the digital uh, sphere, when the fish is the data, if you damage the data source, which is an honest website that holds this um, you know, precious data, public information, you'll, you'll damage the users that, that are trying to reach that the, uh, website. You'll damage the website itself. You'll damage your colleagues, even your competitors, uh, which is not a good thing to do, uh, even that you're competing uh, when they're trying to source the data. You'll damage yourself and... Next time, that website will just make sure that it will be, be harder for you to extract the data. So there, there, there are no clear guidelines yet for how to do responsible data collection. And this is, by the way, something we're trying to, to change. We talk a lot about it. We lecture about it in, in the academia. We've established uh, an ethical data collection committee that tries to you know, establish some guidelines you don't have to follow, but at, but if you want to be ethical, then at least you'll have a source of information that can help you understand how you should be operating. So that's actually an issue, and the regulators are not moving fast enough on that issue. It's it's already done on the okay. data privacy, but not on the data collection part. Okay, so there there is more work to be done uh, on on that front. A okay. lot. In in true gumbo fashion, I I want to to jump over to proxy networks and and unblocking tools. And I'm I'm noticing here on your website, the world's largest proxy networks. 
70 million IPs and growing. So that's really intriguing for me. And I see that there are different types of proxies, data center proxies, ISP, residential, mobile. Like, can, can you enlighten me and also the gumbo listeners just on this in this entire world of proxy networks and, and unblocking tools and maybe the importance of, of why it is so huge. Sure. So just going back to, to, to how we started, the two issues that you need to solve when you want to collect publicly available web data. First one is not being blocked. The second one is to actually get the relevant data that you want to get. For example, the data that an American user would have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, to do that, you can't just use your own machine as a business and send this traffic to that certain website and hope for the best. First of all, you'll get blocked. And the second thing is you're sending it from your machine, so you will see a content, the same content that your machine will be seeing. So it's just, it's, it won't work. For this, you need to route your traffic through um, what we call exit nodes. So I'll explain about the residential proxy network because this is like the, the unique part and the basis to most of the things that we're doing. Okay. So we have tens of millions of real device owners globally from Israel to United States to Antarctica that opted into our network and allowing us and our customers to route traffic through their devices to another website. And in return, they are getting some beneficial value on another app. So we were able to create a, I call it a triple win situation in win, in, in which we partner up with an app developer. He embed our SDK, our piece of code, mm-hmm. and his users can choose if they want to participate in our network. And in return, for example, they will be able to use that app without seeing annoying ads. Or for example, if it's a paid app, they will get it for free. And, and we compensate the, the app developer and basically creating a new monetization channel for them. And it's working great. Everyone are extremely happy. We, we even see that the engagement of these end users is growing because you can use your favorite app without seeing, you know, with, with an improved user experience, for example, without seeing any ads. Obviously, from the other side, our customers must go, all of our customers must go through a very comprehensive compliance procedure in which we verify that they should get access to these to this network and to these devices. Now, when you and we have other proxy and IP types, as you mentioned, data center based IPs, which are device of the devices that hosted on data centers around the world. Usually it's it's faster and cheaper, but um, easier to identify uh, if, if someone is trying to block this traffic. Uh, so it's just different type of IPs and proxies with different uh, pros and cons for each. Uh, when you gain access to, to these proxies, especially the residential proxies, then you can approach a website as if you are a real consumer, a real human being with, you know, coming from a real device. And this allows you to achieve the, the two solutions to the two problems. You won't get blocked because you are considered as a residential device owner. And you will see the content that they, this device will actually see. 
Now, of course, that no content is actually being presented on the device. It's just a proxy. Uh, it doesn't go you know, like in the device. It just uses the IP address. And of course, that the user needs to opt in with full understanding of what's going on. And they can always opt out. Usually they don't opt out because the benefits that they're getting are really tremendous. Okay, great. I hope this was clear. Um, well, it's, it's um, a little over my head, but it does make sense. And it, it sounds like a, a great strategy. Um, but I, I really appreciate you breaking that down for me. But let, let's move. Let me simplify <laughs> it in, in one sentence. Oh, yeah. one sentence? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's like Airbnb. When you lease your home to someone else that can use it, mm -hmm. just with your mobile device or PC. Hmm. Okay, that that does simplify it a lot more for me. So I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> now, what what about? Let's say we have a a gumbo listeners, or maybe a few that are they they've been thinking about a data collection strategy or they're, they're curious about it and they've been on the fence about what they should do. So do you have advice around, you know, where they should start if they're planning a data collection strategy? Is, is an in-house solution better versus an external vendor? Also, in addition to that, if you can discuss maybe what are some of the pros and cons of each and also, if they choose an external vendor, what questions should they ask before actually hiring them? Great. So, uh, you know, like everything that you examine, you should probably start manually in small scale because then you can, you know, sharpen the requirements and understand what you really need. So usually what we suggest to prospects or companies that come to just get an advice is, no, just take a few days, do the data collection that you think you need to do manually. It, it, it means you won't do it in large scale, but you just need to produce this initial Excel sheet with the data that you think that you need. Now, why would you need the data for? Usually it's to get some decision, it, less of a decision that, you know, you sit in a management meeting and you need to get a decision. Usually it's it's your machine that needs data to get a decision, mm -hmm. how to price this product, how to, I don't know, compare this with that, and so on and so forth. So before you jump into high scale operation, just do it manually for a few days Usually you'll find out that you're not really collecting what you need to be collecting. Uh, and, and you just saved yourself a lot of hours and maybe also a lot of dollars. Mm -hmm. After you did it for a while, a few days, a few weeks manually, and you validated the, the value that you can get from extracting this data, then for sure do it with an external vendor. Now, obviously I'm biased, but we just see it. Uh, with so uh, with so many customers, I'll share another I mean example or analogy. So you know, 10, 15 years ago, you if you want to establish an e-commerce website, uh, you had to uh, integrate yourself. I mean, without any help directly with Mastercard and with Visa, you had to make sure that your PCI compliance. You need to make sure that you have 128-bit encryption. 
things that no one does today. You just integrate with Stripe or someone like that, right? So this is where the data collection industry is heading. You can write a crawler and integrate with proxies. That's fine, but it's not your business. Your business is selling flight tickets. It's selling products. It's doing research. Web data collection is just a necessity. It's like you're, you're not going to you know, establish your own hosting business because you, you have an e-commerce website. You'll use AWS or Azure or you know, someone like that. So don't try to do it yourself unless that's your business and that's fine. But 99% of our customers, they just need the data to win. They don't need the data because it's their business. Understand? Yeah. So it's just a skill set that if you can outsource, make sure you outsource it. You should validate the data. You should understand the terminology. It's this is why I always suggest to start by doing it in small scale yourself because you'll be you know you'll know what you're talking about. Uh, which brings me to your second question: What should I ask a vendor? Um, so if you did it manually yourself, usually you already come prepared because you've experienced uh, you know, the, the issues already, so you can come and ask. But there's a few things that you should always be asking. Um, first of all, you need to understand that usually the data that you want to collect is already being collected by another customer, which is a, a benefit because someone already did it it means that it's possible and it means that you can also know what to expect so you can ask the vendor for example bright data in, in in this example what's the average success rate for this domain and a good vendor should be able to tell you yeah it's it's usually above x percent uh with this and that product it it, it will be almost 100 percent, and this is the sla that you'll get for example um, another thing that is very important to ask is, is coming more from the ethical perspective is how do you make sure that you won't unintentionally DDoS a, a, a website? The vendor should be, should be able to answer that. Um, how do you source your IPs if this vendor is also, you know, generate its own proxy network like we're doing? Right. Uh, if you're not getting any answers, something you know, you, you make sure to ask the questions or and to get the answers because maybe something isn't, you know, as ethical as it should be. And the bad thing is just take a free trial and try to work okay. with the system for a couple of days, and you'll see if you're getting value or not. Gotcha. And so it it reminds me of that phrase: How do you eat an elephant? You know, one bite at a time. <laughs> I hope that's how it goes, yeah. if, if I remember. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, or, or I, I really appreciate uh, the time that you have spent on data protection gumbo. Let, let's roll into the final gumbo question. And this question is around uh, what are your crystal ball predictions? What do you see happening for the online data collection industry in the next year or so? Yeah, so um, I apologize for the boring answer, but <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> obvious what's going to happen. It's just going to grow more and more and more. We are amazed to get endless inbound requests from companies we never imagined that they will need to collect data for reasons we never imagined. Everything 
that is out there online can be valuable for someone. And if it's, you know, if it's public and can be collected, it will be collected. So as the data source itself is growing rapidly, we talked about it, the internet itself, then the trends are obvious and we, we feel it on a daily basis. It's just growing and growing and growing. During the, that COVID year, we grew by like 60 employees or 250. Wow. Yeah. So it just, you know, it tells everything and it, it doesn't stop. It just continues even faster than before. So more data, more data collection, mm. uh, and it's just going to grow and grow. Okay. It sounds like a, a true prediction that we, we all know that, <laughs> you know, more people are going to buy smartphones and upgrade their TVs. They're going to buy smart devices and you know, everything is just uh, all about data collection nowadays because we're rolling into what I like to call the age of Ready Player One. Have you seen that movie or? Mm. Oh, tw twice. Yeah, it's it's pretty <laughs> awesome. And I think that they were in the year of 2035, if I'm not mistaken, which seems like a long way off, but it's not, not, that, yeah, far not, not that far away. Uh, also, one final thing before I let you go is... Do you mind sharing your social media handle, maybe a Twitter handle, or um, they can find you on LinkedIn for Gumbo listeners who would like to reach out for more information about Bright Data and what you guys what you guys are doing? I'll be happy. So the, the website itself is brightdata.com, just one word, brightdata.com. Our handles is bright underscore data, I think. Uh, but you have all the social media links at the footer of our website. My personal Twitter handle okay. is Orlench or O R L E N C H. I'll be happy also, you know, just to give advice if you need about web data collection. You can talk to me personally. I'll be happy to answer any question. And my LinkedIn is. Or Lenchner, O R space L E N C H N E R. All right. Well, once again, thank you for your time and also your knowledge and information on data collection and just overall uh, coming on Data Protection Gumbo. So thank you so much, Or. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.